At its finest, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing like live radio. Let me tell you this much right now. Jason Jorgensen slipped into his engineering role there for just a second, long enough for us to save another edition of the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. You know, I try to be a full-service program director (laughs) or sports director, and when it was my fault, anyway, I'm glad I could fix it. You pulled it off (laughs) flawlessly, and with a minute to go, we have, uh, again, live from the Nebraska State Fair... The Brain Trust that is giving us all the information that you need to know from this edition of the fair. And we throw it all over to Jesse Harding. Well, I am very grateful for Jason because uh, my engineering skills are not that great. So I'm glad he was able to step in and save us because I was out of options here at State Fair. But coming up at the 1213, I will be joined with our Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director, Greg Ibaugh. He's had a very busy week here at the Nebraska State Fair, able to catch up with him, some of the activities that he'll be taking place in that he has already done and will also be able to do this weekend as we're heading towards 4-H and FFA weekend. And then for the 1245, Jason Jorgensen's going to have an update with us on Husker football now that we have college sports kicking off. And then Susan Littlefield is not... Can I say it? I guess you can. I was just going to say, go Gophers, because we play tonight at 6 o'clock, but that has nothing to do with Nebraska sports. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But being from Minnesota, Susan's way excited about that game tonight, and she's also going to have the 117 for us. Yeah, Pete McClyman's going to come over and talk to us, Executive Vice President of the Nebraska Cattlemen. It's been a very busy week for the Cattlemen, not not only working in the beef pit like they've been doing, but tonight will be the selection of the supreme champions of the Open Class Beef Show, and those barns are filled to the max. We were able to see so many Herefords yesterday, so that's always fun to go see the small cattle of the group. And then uh, Dewey Nelson will have Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions at that 1219 for us. And we'll kick it back to you guys in the studio in Lexington. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Susan. And don't forget the Nebraska State Fair. We're under the big red radio beacon, southeast corner of the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center for all 11 days. And you can watch our live broadcast there at the Nebraska State Fair. Jason, so what's this, uh, this upcoming news? Maker going to be all about. We will talk with our buddy Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com. We'll get his thoughts on the Huskers and their matchup on Saturday against Arkansas State. The ladies talked about Big Ten football tonight. That's right, there are some games. The biggest one involving the conference has Indiana hosting Ohio State. The Buckeyes are ranked second in the country, and there's a good side story here because Indiana has a new head coach, Tom Allen. Well, he was brought to Indiana by Kevin Wilson who was fired as a coach at Indiana. They forced him out. Wilson now is the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. See where I'm going here? A little grudge match going on Yeah, a little soap opera going here, and you have to like Ohio State's chances in that. So we'll touch on all that coming up in sports. Also, Wayne State gets their season underway, and tonight, UNK Lopers and our new head coach, Josh Lynn, they'll kick off things in Kearney against Missouri Western. Very good, and we get to hear brand new voice of the Lopers, Jason Jorgensen. Now over to Bob Brogan we go with business. Stocks are on the rise today. The jobless claims have increased a little bit. Consumer spending is on the increase. Pending home sales decline, gasoline prices in Texas are up just a scotch because of that big hurricane. And uh, there's lots of other stuff going on, but I think that's enough for now. All right, we'll catch up on all of it as we go through the next couple of hours on Midday. 
Time to check in for Ag Weather, brought to you at this time by Holdridge Irrigation. And Paul Perkins is in here with, uh, I guess, just a smattering of precipitation. But on the whole, this weekend looks pretty nice for the last hurrah of summer. Yeah, that last official weekend of summer is like a lot of people like to call it. Looking actually pretty warm. There are some locations here in central Nebraska that have not touched 90 yet in this month of August. But this weekend, we're going to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's, and it's probably not going, one of those locations is Grand Island. Now, there's other locations, like further west towards uh, Kearney, and also farther south towards Hastings, and also towards the Lexington area that have hit 90, or right around. But Grand Island is yet to hit 90 in the month of August, that's believe kind it or not. Of, that's a real rarity, isn't it? <laughs> but it could happen, actually, this weekend, with the last official weekend of summer, when it does start to really warm up. Right now, though, we're going to see some disturbances move through the region over the next day or two to bring us some scattered chances of thunderstorms. Not expecting much out of these systems. Right now, some of that activity moving into northwest and north-central Nebraska towards Valentine and the northern part of the Nebraska Panhandle in the way of maybe just some light rain, but otherwise just some clouds overspreading north-central and northwest Nebraska. Most of us enjoying sunshine, some south winds, and near-seasonal temperatures as some high pressure continues to slide to the east. That ridge of high pressure off to our west that's been holding back the rain chances. That will start to break down for tonight and tomorrow and allow some disturbances with some scattered thunderstorm chances to track southeast. Not expecting big rainfall totals from these systems. Better chances tonight across west and north Nebraska. Those scattered thunderstorms tomorrow and tomorrow night will move from west to east. It's not going to rain all day tomorrow, but we could see some scattered thunderstorms, mainly ahead of a cool front. Instability will lack for any strong or severe storms, so that severe threat not going to be a problem. That front expected to move back to the north as a warm front for Saturday, and that will give us a warm and dry holiday weekend, and those temperatures actually potentially could reach 90 for the first time in quite a long time. A stronger cold front expected to arrive on Labor Day. A few thunderstorms are possible late on Monday and Monday night, but moisture will be lacking for widespread rain with that front. High pressure builds behind that cold front, and that will drop our daytime highs into the 70s for Tuesday and Wednesday. And in the long-term forecast, that is reflected. Temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to start cooler than normal the middle of next week and then trend mostly seasonal or near normal late next week through September 13th. And September weather, always a nice time for weather, and if you're going to be right near normal, you're in pretty good shape there. Chances also remain likely that Nebraska and Kansas will see below normal rainfall Tuesday through the 13th. In the latest drought monitor, most of central and east Nebraska drought-free. It's abnormally dry, though, in the southern half of the Panhandle, the northern fourth of Nebraska, and much of west-central Nebraska, and that does include southwest Custer County, all of Dawson, and northern Gosper County that are abnormally dry. It's also abnormally dry from Knuckles County east to the southeast corner of Nebraska. Moderate drought covers extreme north-central and northeast Nebraska. It's at least abnormally dry in much of central and extreme northeast Kansas. Moderate drought, though, remains from Smith Center to Belleville south to the Arkansas River. Weather factors driving the market trade include Tropical Depression Harvey bringing heavy rain to the Delta, some possible rain-causing fieldwork delays in the eastern Midwest, 
a mainly dry trend for the western midwestern plains in the extended periods and no significant cold weather concerns the remnants of harvey should move into the ohio valley by saturday with rainfall totals of three to six inches from the northern delta into the middle ohio valley heavy rain in the delta likely to disrupt the harvest of soybeans for several days in the midwest rain from harvey will disrupt that seasonal field work for just a time through the southeast and east central Colder weather the middle of next week in the Midwest may slow development of late filling crops, but it does not look like it will be cold enough to cause significant concerns. The western and central U.S. will continue to experience mostly dry weather. Over the weekend, warmth will briefly expand across the north-central U.S. That does include areas of the upper Midwest where crop development is lagging that normal pace. In northeast China, dryness remains of some concern for key soybean and corn growing areas. Showers may increase early next week, but right now it's getting a little too late to help out. I'm going to blindside you here with a question. Do you Uh-oh. have a kickoff, <laughs> a kickoff forecast for tonight in, uh, at Ron and Carroll Cove Stadium in Kearney? It should be beautiful. You probably temperatures into the low 80s, uh, looking at some sunshine and just a very slight chance of a thunderstorm. And if it does rain, it won't last long. Pardon me. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Well, there you have, have it. And then tomorrow, of course, we'll have your kickoff forecast for Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we will. Coming up on Saturday. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. This time brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And for weather anytime. KRBN.com. We are back again live from the Nebraska State Fair and with me this time is the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, Greg Eyeball. We are here in the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center. It's been a busy week for you here, Greg. And why don't you tell us some of the activities that you've been able to take part of thus far for State Fair? Well, it has been a busy week. In fact, Tuesday was the only day that I spent in Lincoln and uh, wasn't here at the fairgrounds. And so I've had the opportunity to take a part in opening ceremonies, in the opening parade, um, some of the shows I've been able to attend and uh, watch, and um, it's been a great time. There's a lot of livestock exhibitors here. That's something that you're always a part of, having a livestock background yourself. So when it comes to the livestock aspect, what are some of those things that you're going to be doing, especially now that the 4-H and FFA weekend is getting ready to come up here? Yep, we're making the transition uh, today, in fact. You know, we'll finish up the open class livestock shows that are featuring Nebraska breeders as well as breeders from all around the U.S. And then, well, the 4-H and FFA activities will start. And that's always a great time because, you know, this is uh, kind of the foundation of our agriculture. Youth come and participate in 4-H FFA. Some of them exhibit at State Fair. And this is the culmination of their summer of work. And with Elite Showman, that will take place on Saturday. That's something that the Department of Agriculture, KRVN, and the Rural Radio Network partner on. Why don't you explain Elite Showmanship and what that does for some of those select youth that are able to participate on in that activity? So each county is able to nominate a, uh, a competitor. And in most counties, they have a raw, round-robin showmanship contest or an, an elite showmanship contest themselves. And so here at the State Fair, all those county winners compete against each other. And KRVN has been great to be our partner in that. And it's a great opportunity for the best of the best showmen across the state to compete in multi-species and interview and a written test. When it comes to that multi-species, why is that important and what species are they looking at? 
Well, I think that it's just, uh, you know, if we're going to award the type of scholarships that are being awarded in this process, and a round robin represents people that are able to be proficient in beef, sheep, swine, uh, and then also know things about, uh, you know, animal science in general in the written test, and then be able to interview, uh, that shows that you're a balanced exhibitor. And the Raising Nebraska building, obviously the Department of Agriculture is very heavily involved in those activities. What has been going on thus far? Well, today I was over there for a while, and it's one of the uh, uh, Nebraska's largest classroom days here at the Nebraska State Fair. And so we have loads of grade school kids going through the building today, uh, you know, interacting with the exhibits. So we have a couple new exhibits. And uh, yesterday it was clear full of people watching Backyard Farmer. We had a live version where people asked questions from the audience, and then they taped their show uh, there as well yesterday. The building was clear full of that. Jumping back to livestock, in preparations of getting ready for State Fair, how does maybe the Department of Agriculture involved with State Fair staff when it comes to maybe biosecurity and prepping for all the animals to be here and making sure everyone does stay safe and all the livestock and exhibitors are safe as well? Well, so the Department of Ag is a full partner with the State Fair from an animal health perspective. We work and plan together. State Fair actually has rules that would be higher and expectations higher for out-of-state animals than the state would require, but we help them enforce their rules because we want to make sure we don't bring in new diseases or introduce something that isn't part of uh, Nebraska's animal agriculture already. And that's important to say on top of that, especially for when these animals then go to home afterwards or maybe even another state fair or a show in that. And as we are now looking to end state fair, the next big ticket item will be Husker Harvest Days. So what are some of those activities state uh, that the Department of Agriculture is involved with there? Well, that's a super busy week for us because, as you know, the governor is in Japan. Husker Harvest Days is going on. And we're also hosting the different delegations uh, from one from Germany and one from China during that week here as well and so that's a great opportunity and then after that we have Exarbon here in Grand Island so very busy month. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network and with us is Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean in the market today uh, a big turnaround but we didn't notice that on the overnight trade that was kind of lackluster what happened? Yeah, pretty quiet overnight. Well, I think a lot of a lot of things are converging here. You've got the the conclusion of farmers having to make a decision on their basis contracts here against the September contract, and that's been you know a big part of the pressure on corn the past uh, several days. Uh, fund selling has been present, and ultimately, technically, yeah, I've been looking at this three forty five for some time. We got to it last night, and you've gotten to a level where who's the fresh seller? And, uh, you know, it, that should be a good low for us, at least in the short term here. We've just been going down too long, uh, too far, uh, without more confirmed information as far as the crop. And soybeans, too. They're, uh, again, that uh, 943 uh, level of resistance was met and passed in no- November contract. I suppose that was positive. Yeah, big, uh, really a good day uh, in November uh, and beans across the board really today. We've gotten this pullback this week, which actually looks pretty good now on the chart. Uh, maybe we can get some work up and out of here. And, you know, in the bean market, a lot of people in a lot of places complaining not only that pod counts are down, but fewer beans per pod. And so 
I think there's plenty of question marks that with so much buying occurring down here at these levels, coupled with the uncertainty of yield and dryness in Brazil still, uh, beans could be underpriced or have a hard time staying down in these areas for now. And the winter wheat futures must have been way oversold as they gained tremendously on spring wheat futures. Yeah, they, that, that spread is correcting. And yes, winter wheat has, has been vastly oversold, eight weeks lower here, getting to a level with how competitive we are globally. You just can't stay down at these levels. Uh, but Minneapolis looks like it's got uh, some more to go, and it's pulled back, and, and it's gunning for a, a gap down uh, below where it's trading. So still waiting to figure out, you know, what is the abandonment going to be in the spring wheat market? And there's still a question as to how many less acres of winter wheat might be planted this fall as well, don't you think? Yeah, uh, that, that is a trend that continues uh, to occur here over the past several years of the U.S. getting rid of, of winter wheat acres. Traders are cutting their short positions here at the end of the month. Uh, and I guess this is uh, giving us a, a little bit of help here to maybe say we've reached a bottom. Overall, in the next day, and then over the long weekend, we have a chance maybe for a little more volatility, don't we? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've, you've had so much movement lower in this market. There's a lot of energy in there, and you're going to expect to see that, that energy play out in, in not a quiet way, I would expect, the next several weeks. And the dollar has uh, been trading near unchanged, but, uh, you know, it was down to a two-and-a-half-year low here earlier uh, this week. So that also sets the stage for maybe more exports? Yeah, the dollar has been very cooperative from the commodity standpoint. Globally, you're looking at this continued ratcheting up of, of uh, commodity demand. So you've got a good commodity environment right now. And then, you know, with all of the, the, the terrible issues in Houston, uh, the unleaded and, and heating oil markets have really been on fire today as well. Thanks, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org. Dewey Nelson reporting. Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check sports. Let's check in with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the 111th football season at UNK begins tonight when Missouri Western comes to Cope Stadium. After eight months of preparation after being hired as head coach at UNK, Josh Lynn is ready to see what happens. Yeah, you know, you take over a program, you know, January 6th, and, uh, you know, everything that you do in you know, with with what you do in recruiting and what you do with uh, your football program, you know, academics, whatever, you know, it all kind of leads to this point. And uh, we, I am chomping at the bits in regards to I'm ready to get out there and see what kind of product we have, and uh, and just excited, to, you know, and also obviously excited just to go out there and hit somebody in a different color jersey. Missouri Western has their own new head coach, and Matt Williamson. The Griffins have won eight in a row in this series with kickoff at seven in Kearney. Elsewhere, fourth-ranked Emporia State takes on perennial power, Northwest Missouri, Fort Hay State, well, they'll battle Missouri Southern. There's Big Ten action tonight as Indiana hosts second-ranked Ohio State. This is the first game for new Indiana head coach Tom Allen, who has not tried to tamp down the expectations in this one. Yeah, it's the biggest home opener because we've not played a more highly-ranked conference opponent to start a season before. And uh, that uh, creates a lot of excitement. As I mentioned previously, a lot of respect for Kevin. Appreciate what he did for me. This is about the Indiana Hoosiers versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it's a 
We haven't had a uh, conference opening game since 1982. So that's obviously makes it a very, very big game for us. And There is another storyline going on in this one. Allen replaced Kevin Wilson as head coach of the Hoosiers. Wilson, if you remember, was forced out in Indiana and is now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Minnesota, they'll be in action tonight as they host Buffalo at 6. Oklahoma State gets their season rolling tonight as the 10th-ranked Cowboys battle Tulsa. The Wayne State football team starts their season tonight at Northern State. The Wildcats went just 3-8 and eight a year ago. Kickoff tonight is set for 6 in Aberdeen. Former Villanova basketball coach Raleigh Massimino has died at 82 following a long battle with cancer. Of course, he led Villanova's improbable run to the 1985 National Championship and won more than 800 games in his career. And Roger Federer looks for his 80th U.S. Open victory while Rafael Nadal is also in second round action. Now, a number of players will be on the court for a second straight day after almost all of Tuesday's action was postponed. Federer and Nadal did get their matches in on Tuesday, so yesterday they had the day off. Federer used his time to practice at Central Park. An 80th victory would break a tie with Andre Agassi and leave Federer only behind Jimmy Connors' 98 victories at that tournament. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Sunny for the rest of the day with a high near 84. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low around 60. And for Friday, there is a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Partly sunny with a high near 82. From the KRV News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Trucking through Nebraska is in Lexington right now at the Dawson County Museum. The Mobile Children's Museum tells the story of Nebraska's 150 years. Museum Director Crystal Werger talks about the truck. And they have some outside exhibits and they're going to have some inside exhibits. Sounds really cool and I think the adults will love it just as much as the children will. Anybody of any age can come and see this. And it's free. That's the best thing. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, so it's going to be a great three days, um, and, and we're very fortunate to have it come to the Dawson County Museum. The truck is open today until 3, 11 to 6 tomorrow, and 11 to 3 on Saturday. The first stage of an $18 million improvement to Gibbons Cargill Grain Facility is about to begin with a goal of building additional storage. Facility manager John Yetlin explains what is planned. We are building an additional 2 million bushels of upright space to, to increase our capacity, 2.7 million upright space, and also um, in, in installing a new unload pit um, to increase our unload capacity up to 65,000 bushel an hour. Uh, we're actually also installing a, a new outbound scale, too, that will hopefully improve uh, truck traffic um, there at Given as well. The older set of grain bins to the south of the main elevator will be torn down to make way for the new storage, which is expected to be done by early 2019. Harvey made its second landfall yesterday, this time as a tropical storm. It landed in western Louisiana near the Texas border. nation's largest oil refinery sits in Port Arthur. Oil analyst Tom Closa says all of the recent refinery closures along the Gulf Coast mean consumers could see prices at the pump rise another 10 to 20 cents per gallon. You're talking like maybe one out of every uh, five barrels of gasoline or diesel that's produced in the country has been compromised, um, uh, you know, since the middle of last week. Closa says even so, he's not expecting any long-term price spikes in U.S. gas prices. A Maine man arrested in California after he was accused of stabbing a person on an Amtrak train has been charged with fatally shooting a Kansas man two weeks later. 
The Kansas Attorney General's office said in a news release that 34-year-old Robert Colson of Bucksport, Maine, was charged Wednesday with second-degree intentional murder of the death of Matthew Schlosky. We want your news videos and photos. Tip us under the news tab at krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Fl- Jason Jorgensen with you on the Rural Radio Network. The Huskers kick off the college football season on Saturday night at home against Arkansas State. We are joined by Sean Callahan of huskeronline.com. Sean, thanks a lot for the time. I know this is a, a big time of the year for you and your crew. Oh, I'm, this is this is like Christmas times 10, uh, opening weekend, college football. We had high school last weekend. You know, night game, Memorial Stadium. It doesn't get much better than this, Jason. What's your overall take on, on how this fall camp has developed for the Huskers? I'm excited. It, it's been very, as Mike Riley said, drama-free. Um, I, you know, I don't want to just name specific players, but I think the last couple of years they've had to deal with just some different circumstances and situations with keeping guys happy and, you know, stuff that comes with a coaching change and, you know, just different obstacles and, They've gotten through that the last two years, and I feel like now the roster has finally truly turned over into Mike Riley's team, and um, I think you're going to see this offense really look like what Mike Riley wants it to look like, and um, you've got some personality with this defense and Bob Diaco. A lot of hype over the last month about uh, Tanner Lee. You've seen him play in practice. Can can he live up to that? Yes. Um, you might think I'm crazy saying this, but I think he could – potentially be the best quarterback Nebraska's had since Crouch if he plays two years healthy here. Zach Taylor was a Big Ten player, Big 12 player of the year, very good quarterback. Uh, when I compare Zach to Tanner, Tanner's bigger. He's got a stronger arm. He's got a quicker release. He's a better pure pro prospect. Um, how, how will that translate into Saturdays? You know, that's what we don't know yet. But everything I've seen in fall camp from Tanner Lee, He's got the ability to break every passing record at Nebraska this year as far as yards, touchdowns. You know, he'll be up there with his completion percentages in the 60s. I know Joe Gans, I believe, had the record in 2008. That was a number one passing year in program history. Uh, but I really think Tanner Lee is poised uh, to, to throw for over 3,500 yards this year. Is he just a guy that really benefited from having to take that year off as a transfer? How has he improved so much? Well, the, the talent around him, um, Tulane, you got to remember when he was there, the coach got fired. So it was a bad team. They had very, very poor offensive lines, very, very, you know, shoddy skill position players. Um, it, it's just a different circumstance, but he's a late bloomer. You know, he's developed and he's grown in, in two years. It's going to be 651 days in between games. Um, but people recognized him as a prospect even at Tulane. But now his, stat, his stock is going to elevate more being in a true system like Nebraska, the pro system, with better players around him and a coach like Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf. Hey, you've got Danny Langsdorf with Eli Manning's quarterback's coach for a year. Mike Riley was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Um, so you've got a real pro presence developing this guy now. And, and with that and his maturity and his skill set, um, I think it's going to really do wonders to his game and, and put him on the map. We are joined by Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com as the Huskers open up this week at home against Arkansas State. What's your take on the transition to the 3-4? Some experts always say it, it takes a while. What's this defense going to look like on Saturday for Bob Diaco? Well, I think they play fast. They're deeper. Uh, they're going to play, as you saw, 16 guys consistently with the black shirts. I know the old-timers don't like seeing 16 black shirts, but that's football 2017. You've got to adjust your, your formations to personnel. 
And uh, having that many black shirts right now makes sense because you're going to see Nebraska and nickel and dime and different looks and, and formations. Um, so that's why Nebraska you know, recognized 16 starters um, on this defense based on the situation in the week. And uh, Bob Diaco is an interesting guy to deal with from our perspective. I'll say that firsthand. But as a coach, he commands respect. The players respect him. It's got a feel of Bo Pelini 2003 when he first came in here. And, and, and just the instant credibility he had and the respect that he gained immediately from those defenders, you see that right now with Bob Diaco as well. Do you see the uh, secondary still the biggest question mark with this defense? I'm not worried about safety. Uh, I think Kalu and Aaron Williams are going to be really good back there. But, yes, corner to me will be a concern because Lamar Jackson has yet to really prove it, even though he's a highly touted guy. He's a pro prospect and a lot of people dies down the road. But this will be a big, big year for him. And then the other side of Eric Lee and DiCaprio Boodle, two guys who have never played. If I'm an opposing team like Arkansas State, that is who I'm going to go after. I'm going to go after those young corners, put them in matchups, and kind of see what those guys can do in situations on Saturday. Sean, what kind of a team do you expect Arkansas State to have? Uh, the Red Wolves have been pretty decent, pretty successful at their level, but do they have enough to, to push the Huskers at all? You know, what's different about them compared to other Sunbelt, MAC-type teams or whoever have come in here in the years is they will substitute more. They will play more guys, so they won't, you know, I think the trend has always been these types of teams come in and they play you for two and a half quarters, and then by about the seven-minute mark of the third, they wear out, and Nebraska just exerts their will on them and went pulls away. Uh, Arkansas State, I think, is built a little bit differently, where Nebraska will have to play maybe into the fourth quarter. Um, I think a lot of it just depends on, you know, how quick Nebraska can strike. They're going to have an advantage, Jason, in this game because of, Arkansas State's you know, lack of ability to prepare for Tanner Lee and Bob Diaco, can they use those advantages early to jump on Arkansas State? Um, that will be kind of, I think, what de- decides how this game comes out on the final scoreboard. Should be a lot of fun to see. It's always great to get the season started. And Sean, as always, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks, Jason. And that was Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com. Once again, the Huskers kick off the season Saturday night, 7 o'clock Central Time in Lincoln against Arkansas State. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Next, we talk with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities and give us a rundown as to what happened in livestock futures trading today. Well, we had a little bit of a different scenario today. We had the cattle down and the hogs up. Uh, so we've uh, changed things around a little bit. Uh, the cattle started out lower, ran up, looked like uh, we uh, took out quite a few buy stops, uh, and then turned immediately, turned around, went right back down. And uh, we we're going to finish mixed. Uh, we did make a little bit of a recovery, <clears throat> but it was uh, uh, mostly in the back end. Uh, a lot of bear spreading in the cattle market today. Uh, the uh, uh, trade a little bit soft yesterday, and that set the tone. We were a little bit better again in the uh, cutouts at noon, but it was not enough to bring us uh, entirely back. The August contract uh, expired today at 104.52. Uh, over in the uh, feeders, uh, lower all day long uh, after their little run-up also to take out some stops, buy stops, and then turn right around. But it was uh, the grains that uh, kind of kept the uh, uh, feeders uh, on the defensive throughout the day, uh, uh, closing moderately lower with uh, with that uh, emphasis on uh, the 
selling because of the uh, grain. The hogs, the winners today, they closed higher, uh, basically uh, uh, coming out of an oversold condition and uh, what appeared to be a lot of short covering and uh, maybe some new longs trying to uh, close up the gap between the uh, index and the futures. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And good afternoon from the Nebraska State Fair. I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Real Rural Radio Network. Greg Weedle joins us now. Mej- I got a frog in my throat. Must be that uh, what I just ate over at the Beef Pit, some pepper. Nebraska Cattlemen, you are the membership chair working hard today over at the Beef Pit. Yes, uh, I am from Thera County, and our affiliate is working at the Beef Pit today, serving and helping people in the dining room and keeping the uh, line going. And um, we're serving some really good prime rib sandwiches today. That's my favorite, along with the roast beef and, and the other uh, beef products that we got there. And I have had all kinds of um, people saying just how good it is, and they come every year, and they just really enjoy it. So um, if you're at, coming out State Fair sometime this week, be happy to come have you come through the beef pit and enjoy a good beef sandwich. So I know that since the beef pit opened in 84, you guys have served over 470,000 meals. And we're wondering, through this year's State Fair, are you going to hit that half million mark? I think we're going to be very close. They said they've been, it's been a good crowd out here at State Fair. The weather's been good, and um, it's been a steady flow all the time. And, of course, the big weekend, Labor Day weekend's coming up, and that's always our big weekend. So, yeah, that's a... I think we could probably reach that this year. And um, all the veterans and enlisted personnel need to come out Monday. That is the Veterans Day. And um, anybody that comes through the beef pit that day, we give a $20 gift certificate, a beef voucher, to go to the grocery stores and redeem it for $20 worth of beef. That is awesome. Thank you so much for doing that for our veterans. Well, that's the most we can do for... um, people who served our country for that many years you're very involved within not only the cattlemen but but your cattle operation as well why should somebody become a member of nebraska cattlemen a lot of it is just that um we do have uh legislative people and they can go protect what we want to protect yeah, as cattlemen and agricultural productionists in the state of nebraska they go to the legislature they lobby for us and um for what they get done, they are the cheapest lobbyists, I think, that um, the state of Nebraska probably has. They do a very good job. And um, not only that, but we have that beef certificates for troops that's coming up. And we just got all kinds of activities, you know, that are just volunteer groups. And um, It's more than just the cattle industry. It's giving back to your communities. It's giving back to the state. And we know what a strong influence the cattlemen have in the state of Nebraska from an economic standpoint. Yes, um, that is a very good point to point out, the economic standpoints. Um, we all know its agricultural economy has come down, but, um, you know, we're still here. We're going to be here for a long time, and, um, you know, we got over 3,000 members right now, and um, we're looking to increase that. Uh, sometimes we cannot, an individual person cannot go and um, talk to a senator or something, but here we can have somebody hired to do that for us. If they want to find out more information, become involved in the Nebraska Cattlemen, how do they do that? 
Uh, you can go on Nebraska Cattlemen on Facebook or on the Internet, and um, you can ask that way. Um, I cannot remember everything exactly right now. but um, Just Google it, right? Just Google it, yes. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I know busy time for you guys in the beef pit. Fi- folks, go over there, eat more beef, and we will see you more at the Nebraska State Fair. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. At least corn, soybeans, and winter wheat futures closed higher today. And some double-digit gains in corn and soybeans. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Well, an end-of-the-month buying spree, does that translate to maybe reaching bottoms here? I think so. Um, you know, bottom picking is always kind of a pointless uh, endeavor. Markets can certainly test them again. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing bounce a little bit here as we get into early September and then sell back off again as uh, we start to see kind of what the crop looks like if, if things would come into fruition. But I think the price action we saw today was very, very, very good. You know, reminiscent of short covering, reminiscent of new buying. I think you'll see, uh, you know, a big shift in open interest. That we'll, we'll get these numbers for really another week and a half, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm optimistic here. I, I think now you got to find yourself not getting bullish on these rallies. And I, I certainly don't want to poo-poo this. I think there's more to go. March probably sees 380 to 390. But much like last year, you got to look at those carries. If you're selling JFM, my advice is to not wait till JFM to sell it or price it. Uh, see if you can get a, a deferred carry price. I mean, you're getting monster differences between the front months and the deferred contracts. So the value really isn't selling the cash. It's trying to sell some of the deferred contracts while it's there. Maybe the basis will come up. Uh, if you do have JFM contracts that are, are HDA'd, I look at locking in basis uh, at some point here um, in October, November period. I think, I think you're going to see that basis weaken out again as we get closer to delivery periods. Give me an, an assessment of December corn at that level of around 358. Well, I, I still don't think that's enough for folks to be moving corn here at this time of the year. It's August 31st. I mean, if you're going to gamble on something, gamble and that, you know, maybe you don't have it and the market's there. I mean, there's no reason to push your chips in at these prices. I would imagine producers in the field, given your basis out there, I talked to a guy out, out a little bit in your area, uh, Dewey, sitting maybe 35, 45 under, depending on where he's going with it. And that probably, you know, I think deferred contract sellers aren't going to move it until they get 350. So 385, 380 would be my target for December corn. At that price, I think you got to start doing some hedging or, or look at your risk management plan. And a quick uh, th- a comment on November soybeans getting above a resistance level of 943. I think the Stats Canada numbers were bearish today. There's a lot of soybeans out there globally now. Um, not near as much reliance on the U.S. crop, although I do think the price action in the rest of the grain complex should, should lead us higher. But beans never fell with wheat and corn, so I don't think they're going to rally much either. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.